Hello there, our dear listeners. Welcome to the HSK Student Podcast. This is Richard, your host from the HSK ETEC team. Thank you for joining us on episode 28 of the HSK Student Pod. It's a pleasure to have you as one of our listeners. As usual, I'm not going to let you down. I have special guests for you who are going to share useful messages with us, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to episode 28 of the HSK Student Podcast. We hope that you are having a good term so far and enjoying autumn and the build up to the festive season. I know many of you are on placement at the moment and we hope that's going well and you're enjoying that process. Now, on this podcast, Rachel Morfitt and some of our other third year learning disability nursing students talk about student-led placements and share their experiences of organising student-led placements and give some tips that can help other people who are looking to organise theirs for next year. We also have Becky Scott joining us. She's Library and Computing Services Information Manager for our school. And in the podcast, she speaks with me about some of the key services that the LRC can offer to students and also tells us about some of the ways in which the LRC works with staff. She also gives us a bit of an update around events that are happening and how services are running over the Christmas period as well. And then we have just a minute with the SAS team, and that's a short message from the Student Support and Academic Skills team informing students of some of the activities that they will be running into December. They'll talk about the Study Buddy Scheme, which is a useful service we're encouraging our HSK students to take advantage of. So please do take a listen. Thank you for joining us today on episode 28 of the HSK Student Pod. Dear HSK Student Pod listeners, especially our first and second year student listeners, I'm sure most of the third year students are aware of what student-led placements are. But this may not be the case with our first and second year student listeners. HSK having a large student community, which almost goes through the same kind of training process, is very beneficial to all our students if we share and learn about each other's experiences. For this month's student success stories, we have our guests, Rachel and her friends, Mia, Nuna and Elizabeth from the Learning Disability Nursing Program. These third-year students are going to share a brief message with us that raises the awareness of student-led placements. They will briefly share some of their experiences during their student-led placements and also will give some tips that can help other students who are looking for student-led placements. I now hand you over to Rachel and her friends, Mia, Nuna and Elizabeth. My name is Rachel and I'm a third year learning disability nurse. I did my student-led placement in a mental health unit for older patients. My name is Mia, I'm also a third year student learning disability nurse and I went to a special school in Wingrave which specialises in challenging behaviour and it's also residential. My name's Nuna. I am also a third year learning disability nursing student and I did my elective placement in the maternity unit at Stoke Mandeville Hospital in Aylesbury. 
My name is Elizabeth. I'm a learning disability nursing student year three. I did my student-led placement at an endoscopy unit. What clinical skills did everyone learn on their student-led placements? On my student-led placement at the older patient's mental health unit, I learned how to do a mental state examination and I also learned how to do ECGs. On mine, I learned lots around de-escalation techniques, communication, positive behavioural support plans, challenging behaviour. On mine, I learned a lot of clinical skills. It's a maternity unit, so... You know, things like manual blood pressure was something we had to practice regularly because we, when patients are larger patients, you have to do manual blood pressure in a maternity unit. And I also had the opportunity to learn about communication in complex situations, how to communicate to stressed people that they're going to have to go into a surgery or have a complex procedure done that they're not in the mindset to hear about at that time. On my student-led placement, I learned, I had um, a lot of uh, clinical skills that I learned there in the endoscopy unit. Most important one for me was um, the communication skills, admissions and discharge of patients, which I wouldn't have actually had the opportunity to do that, which was great. What impact has that had to improving our practice, those skills that we learned? So for me, mental state examination allows me to write better notes and to get better understanding of the individuals that I'm working with and really begin to understand how their mental health is affecting them on a day to day basis. I also learned how to do a looked after children's assessment, which is something I didn't mention under clinical skills, which was very interesting. It has to be done each year for children that are residential or looked after. I got to work with children and young adults. And that is something is quite rare doing learning disability nursing. We tend to work with adults. So for my practice, I feel like I can work with a range of people from age or age wise. I can now work at the school. It was nine to 19. So I've worked with people as young as nine. And I definitely think that opportunity I had to do that, whereas I wouldn't have had it anywhere else. So, yeah, that's definitely helped my practice. For my practice, so I, I spoke about clinical skills, which was really helpful, like having a bit more practice at the manual blood pressure and using the kind of upright machinery that does like pulse oximetry and stuff. It's really helpful. But I think that for practice, what it's actually improved the most is my knowledge of the experience that somebody has when using a maternity care pathway. Because as learning disability nurses, we don't really focus on the fact that people with a learning disability do and can have children. And it's not shuffled around, but it's kind of forgotten as a topic. And I think it's really important that to provide holistic care, I have a knowledge of how that pathway would work alongside other more generic pathways like accessing the GP, because, you know, our clients do have children and they have a right to the same quality of care in that respect that any other mother would. Yeah, I agree. That's really interesting. I learn a lot of skills uh, in the endoscopy unit. The most important ones for me was uh, that communication skills, communicating with the patients when they come in. I was able to admit them, asking those questions were daunting for me before. But after my first week and the endoscopy unit, I was able to admit patients without any problems, asking them different things that I was on the form and I checked them in appropriately. And 
also uh, discharge uh, notes, which was um, part of the procedure you have to, after the patient has gone through a colonoscopy, for another 30 minutes, you have to give them tea, coffee. I was able to help the patients, which was great, and learning of skills there. My second week in the endoscopy unit, I was able to go into the procedure room. I was also able to set up the scope and also prepare the rooms. Those were good skills for me. Thank you. The final question is, how is this going to impact on your future practice? And what have you got from doing a student-led placement? I would say go for a student-led placement because it really broadens your horizon. It really develops your skills. It really gives you those opportunities. I definitely say student-led placement is the way forward. I have changed ultimately when I finish and qualify next year. I've changed completely what I want to do and where I want to go and work at. So I've looked into jobs and postgraduate diplomas and stuff. And before I'd done my student-led, I was set on what I wanted to do which was community forensics. But now I've gone down the route of working with children instead. I mean, we're all going to say go on an elective placement, aren't we? Because uh, we all went on an elective placement. Yeah, so we yeah. all obviously think that they're the stick, don't we? But I would say go on an elective placement as somebody who went weirdly far afield and completely out of what I actually study with professionals who have no idea what our job is at all. Mm. Because... It not only offers you insight into how to support your client better, but it actually also, for, for me, it gave an awareness to other professionals that we do exist and we do take an interest in what they do and we might have to. And I would also like to think that as the future goes on, this will be more relevant for me particularly because... Hopefully society will learn to accept that people with a learning disability can be perfectly good parents with the right support and they should have that right. And I would like to think that I would be somebody who could offer that support and possibly head up any pathways that are created because I took the opportunity to do an elective placement in a maternity unit. For me, I would say go for a student-led placement because that is an opportunity for you, whatever department that you work in it will be a very good thing for you it helps you to develop some soft skills such as being able to work in a team and be able to experience other things apart from your field of study so i would say yeah go for a student-led placement because you will really really be surprised about what you can learn it will help your academic and their professional career Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you've enjoyed our little podcast on student-led placements. Bye-bye. Thank you Bye. very much. Bye. Good, Bye. Luck. Good luck. Good luck. Bye. Bye-bye. Dear HSK student pod listeners, especially our new student listeners, I'm not sure if you are aware of the different services offered by the library and computing services team, which we often refer as to the LCS team. Also, I'm sure many of us refer to the library as the LRC. 
For this Mathis Professional Spotlight, we have uh, our guest Becky, the Library and Computing Services Information Manager for the School of Health and Social Work. Becky is going to share a brief message with us, letting us know about some of the key services the LRC offers to students. She will also inform us about uh, some of the ways in which the LRC works with staff members. Her message is very, very important, especially during this time of the year when we are just starting the academic year and some of us are not aware how the LRC can be of help to us. I now hand you over to Laura, who had the opportunity of meeting and interviewing Becky. So Becky, welcome back to the HSK Student Podcast and thank you for joining us today. Hi, thank you for having me. Nice to see you, Laura. Now, Becky, I know you've been on the podcast before, but some of our listeners might not know you. So please, could you just tell our listeners a bit more about yourself and your role here at the university? Sure. So my name is Becky Scott. I'm the information manager for HSK. Information manager is a slightly odd job title. It essentially means subject librarian. So um, I have a background in the NHS. And so my job sits within library and computing services, and I'm part of the academic engagement team. Excellent. Thank you. So, Becky, you're here today to talk to our listeners about some of the key services the library and computing services offer to students. So what are some of those key services? Well, they range from library-related things to computing-related things, obviously. So um, it's an array of different services located in the Learning Resources Centre at College Lane and also on, on de Havilland campus. So there's two LRCs. If we first of all take the sort of services that I might be involved in. So we have a team of information managers and assistant information managers. And our role is about supporting students with their library-related skills, whether those be searching skills, referencing skills, and so on. So you'll see people like me teaching in your modules, but you'll also see the assistant information managers in the LRCs. So you can always go to a drop-in session in the LRCs on Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday between 1 till 3 p.m. You can just pop along there to the sofa area that's sort of orange furniture known as the Study Success Hub and get some immediate help with whatever query you have. But obviously the LRCs offer other services as well, so more computing related services like PCs within the LRCs with specialist software on, as well as laptops and software. For example, we are the people that provide your Office 365. So those sorts of things, as well as providing then spaces for studying individually, in groups, online, and so on. Excellent. Thank you. And if people want to go about getting a laptop loan, how do they do that? If students want to borrow a laptop, they just need their student ID card. And they need to go into one of the LRCs. By the front of the LRCs, there are laptop locker areas. The lockers, I think, are usually blue. Um, on the panel, there's a screen where you, you tap whether you want a four-hour loan or a 12-hour loan. Tap your ID card and the locker will open a bit like an Amazon locker. And you can take out the laptop and it will loan it to you for the period that you chose. You just need to make sure that when you bring the laptop back, Again, you just click return on the on the panel, the correct door will open and then you put it in the locker. But it does need to be plugged into the charger that's in there. And that's what makes it release from your account. So it's really important that students know to plug it back in, essentially. If students need a, a loan beyond four to 12 hours, we do have an option for that. 
we offer long-term PC loans for an academic year. And that's something they should discuss with their personal tutor and then go through the application process if students are interested in that scheme. If they go to Ask Hearts and search PC loan, then they will find out how to progress with that process. That's great, Becky. Thank you. That's really helpful for some of our students, I'm sure. I'm aware that we're coming up to Christmas and that festive period. So what are the opening hours like of the LRCs over Christmas? So the LRCs will be open as they are now, 24 hours a day, seven days a week throughout the Christmas period. There will be less staff, so we won't be working during the the Christmas closure. So the Study Success Hub, the last day that that will be open will be the 15th of December. And so that's the last time that students can go and get on campus support from one of the team. We will still keep the Library Skill Up module chat open until I think the 22nd of December. So students can post a quick query there and we will answer it for them. Uh, but as I said, the LRCs themselves will still be open 24-7 and, and security will be on site. Excellent. Thank you. So lots of opportunities for students to use the LRCs over that period. Thank you. <music> Becky, sometimes students have come to me and asked about referencing software. Are there any that we recommend or what's your view on referencing software? So that's a really good question, Laura. And some students have asked me if referencing software is a cheat software. So I think this is a really good point to discuss because it can cause worries. And we don't want to have worries. We want to minimize anxiety here. So referencing software is really useful. It's a really useful tool. As a student, you still have to do all the legwork, finding the article and then um, adding it into your software. So firstly, Let's be clear, it's absolutely fine to use a referencing software tool in your assignment. It's not a cheat tool. And then secondly, so what software do we recommend? So at UH, we don't sort of specifically say a particular software. We allow students to choose the one that works for them because sometimes they come having already used one at a different university, for example, or they might use it in their role already. So we don't try and train them in a different software. We say use the ones that you feel comfortable with. If students go to the Library Skill Up module, there is a unit that's called Referencing. And in that unit, there's also a section called Software to Manage Your References. There they can find out about the three different softwares available or the three main ones. So Mendeley, Zotero and EndNote. They all work in a similar way, but they do slightly different tasks. So if students really want the most basic software, then there's an even easier one than that that I quite like called zbib.org so that's zbib.org and that's a really nice straightforward one because you just paste in the DOI or an ISBN from a book for example and you can choose your software style. The other ones that I've already mentioned are a bit more in depth and they require a bit more skill to use them but as we all know digital mindset is just about going to Google and saying how do I do that and you usually can find some guidance or a YouTube video that will tell you um, how to do the specific thing that you're learning to do with the software. Best place to start is the library skill up module and look at the different options of software. Brilliant. Thank you. And so Becky, can students just pop in the DOI or ISBN and it creates a list for them or do they need to look at it again just to double check it's done it correctly? Really good point, Laura. Absolutely. They do need to scrutinise what comes out of the software. 
So I find that students are quite comfortable with using the citing feature in the online library. But in my personal experiences, when I've used that, it seems to duplicate the date. So it gives me 2019 and then it says 2018. So there's clearly something wrong in the software output. Specifically, I've noticed that in online library, but it could be in any of these softwares. If the metadata, which is the data that sits behind the actual citation, is in some way incorrect, then it will output it slightly wrong. So always use the software, but then scrutinize the output against the guide that we provide for HSK so we can make sure that you're confident that your references have been outputted as you wanted them to. Excellent. Thank you. And it's always worth getting those reference lists correct, isn't it? Because that's a valuable source of marks for students. So it's a a great way of making that a little bit easier for them. We know that occasionally the LRC run events for students. How do they find out what events are being run and when those are happening? Excellent question. But again, I would always stick with the Library Skill Up module. If students self-enroll onto that module, then they will get the user announcements. And so the announcements will tell students when an event is happening or an online session and so on. So that's the easiest way. If they don't sign up to the module, they could click on specific unit just to see what is happening. But the easiest way is definitely to get the announcement. Thank you. That's great. And there's so much support out there for our students, which is fantastic. But how would you advise students to know who's the best to help them with different aspects? So whether they should go to yourselves in the LRC or whether they should go to the um, SAS team or who they should go to? I would say LCS or Library and Computing Services are a central resource. So we provide support for students across the university. That means our support is more general and generic as opposed to specialist. So if it's, I need help with a book, I need help with how to find something, I have some basic referencing questions, then by all means, the academic engagement team within the Learning Resources Centre is the right place to go. If the student has a much more subject-specific question around criticality at level six, for example, lots of students have been asking me about that. That's definitely not my area of expertise. So I will always signpost them on to the SAS team. Um, But obviously, the HSK Academic Skills Team, or SAS, um, have their own website where they advertise all of the upcoming sessions. They also advertise mine as well because we work in an integrated way. So I recommend that students will go to the Academic Skills website and look at the workshops option because then they can see the types of workshops that are offered by the SAS team and then know sort of who to be asking the question of, really. That's brilliant. Thank you ever so much, Becky. I know you do work mainly with students, but is there a way that the LRC works with staff? So I'm thinking of things like how we can engage students with digital reading. Absolutely. So my role involves supporting staff and I go to things like programme committees. So um, you mentioned supporting students with their digital reading. So myself and my colleague Jane are running a session for staff that is about developing in-class activities that support students to develop their digital reading and really engage with the literature because it's very easy to become distracted by hyperlinks. I'm sure you've experienced that yourself. I know I have. So um, this session is for staff and it's all about 
helping students stay focused and find purpose in their reading. Fantastic. Thank you. So just to clarify what we mean by digital reading in this context. That's a really good question, Laura. So if we think about reading, I mean, we all read all day, every day. It might be a book. It might be on our phone. It might be a Facebook post. When we think about academic reading, it requires a significant amount of cognitive function, a lot of concentration. And sometimes some of our students, particularly mature students, will say, I really prefer to read a print book. I kind of know how it's structured. It's got the contents. It's got the index. I know how to flick through it. I'm not distracted by my phone because I'm I'm focused just on, on the book that's right in front of me. So when we think about digital reading, we're thinking about things that are online, which means there are a lot more distractions available to us. We might, if we're a member of staff, we might have Microsoft Teams pinging up messages. We might see our email going off. So we start a task, but then we're quickly kind of diverted from it because there's so much distraction online. Students experience this as well because they'll be working on an assignment. They might be trying to read a journal article online, but then they're seeing lots of distractions. They might be doing a search for an article and seeing lots of hyperlinks and, and finding distractions. So the skills about reading online will require some of the skills that are used in print-based reading, but they also require additional skills. And that's what the session will talk about. Excellent. Thank you, Becky. That's really useful because it, it's a real skill, isn't it, to stay focused digitally as well? Because as you said, we've got so many distractions happening all the time. And there are so many tools that can support us to really enhance our digital reading in the same way that in, you know, when we're reading a print book, we might be taking notes we might be creating a mind map. All of these things are available to us online as well. It's just sometimes that staff and students don't know about them. So sometimes we need to signpost. Brilliant. Becky, thank you ever so much for coming to speak to the HSK pod listeners again. And thank you for sharing some of those messages about the services that are available in the library and computing services. And hopefully that's made some people think about digital reading a bit more and attending those sessions or about the other things that the LRC and uh, the Library and Computing Services have to offer for our students. Thanks so much for having me and I really hope that we see some students joining us in the LRC soon. Excellent. Take care. Bye. Good luck with your studies, everyone. Thank you. Bye. And welcome to Just a Moment with SAS. This is where all HSK students can receive updates and services offered by the SAS team, receive study tips and advice, and a chance to listen to interviews with our special guests. This is Shipa Begum, one of the tutors from the HSK Student Success and Academic Support Team, also known as SAS Team. So here's a glimpse of what we have for you in the upcoming weeks. For December, we have the following workshops for you. We have workshops on preparing for presentations, time management, and writing your research proposals. You can find the Zoom links and the classroom details for all our workshops and events on the Academic Advice site. We have also produced two video recordings on what to look out for when you are proofreading for language and for criticality. These videos were developed based on the common mistakes that the SAS team see in students' writing. These can be accessed from the workshop timetable on the academic support site. 
So please do check them out if you are due to be handing in assignments anytime soon. We also have two events for you in December, Coping and Managing Your Online Study and Returning to Study Group for Mature Students. Again, have a look at our website for more information. Okay, so now we have with us our special guest, Anita Fromm. She is a Visiting Study Buddy Scheme Lead and an Academic Skills Tutor for the School of Health and Social Work. She is here today to talk to us a bit about the Study Buddy Scheme. So welcome to the podcast, Anita, and how have you been? Oh, thank you. I'm I'm fine. And thank you so much for inviting me to the Just a Minute on the podcast, Shipper. I'm here to talk about the Study Buddy Scheme. Great. So can you tell our listeners a bit about the Study Buddy Scheme? How could they join? And what is it? Yes. The idea behind the Study Buddy Scheme is to provide the opportunity for students to meet outside class. So sometimes everyone's in a hurry and there mm-hmm. simply isn't time to chat. And this is to provide that opportunity. But it's also very, very important to us in HSK that no one feels alone. Also, it's for your well-being and confidence to meet and chat with others. So it could be that you're already meeting up with colleagues on your course and that you'd like to talk to students on another nursing program for some useful interprofessional conversations. So you can get new insights and also, of course, widen your friendship group. Great. So, Anita, obviously students at HSK are busy. What kind of skills could students develop apart from the networking opportunity? What other skills could they develop from this study buddy scheme? Well, I think the skills that you can develop is some conversational skills. So what I mean by that is that listening and speaking to others will help you when you come to writing your assignments. Because if you've perhaps spoken about an assignment, then when it comes down to writing it, you've kind of verbalized it in your mind. And that's also very important. Actually, talking about your work is really important and research suggests that it's important to talk about your work and it's easier to write after you've talked and clarified your ideas. So actually, in the long run, joining the study buddies is likely to save you time. I think it's a really good idea and this is something that we might chat about as well. Interesting. But other skills that you might get is just hints, tips, ideas. Maybe you might have, you know, a favorite article that you want to talk about. It's up to you what you talk about. Maybe you just want to socialize with other students. That's fine too. It's up to the students who join up what they would like to do. So up to the study buddies, what they'd like to do. Great. And I believe this is only available to nursing students at the moment, but I want to understand a bit more about what kind of nursing students are actually signing up to these programmes. Are they students that we would define as mature students or students like internationals? What kind of students are signing up or have you got a mixture? I've got a whole mixture of students. The study buddy scheme is the first year we're running this. So we're opening it up in nursing for any year 
So whether you're BSc, MSc, or whatever your year you're in, that doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter which nursing program you're on. So at the moment, I've got a mixture of students who've already signed up. I think I've got about 25 students who've signed up, but mainly in adult nursing and mental health nursing. So we're looking for, especially in children's nursing and also learning disability nursing, we're looking for more students, but any program. So please do join up. Great. And I believe you will be running additional workshops and events as part of the Study Buddies scheme on campus. Can you tell our listeners a bit more about these workshops and events? Okay. So anyone who joins the scheme will be invited to meet other students on the scheme to sort of widen your networks. This semester, I've got an event coming up in early December, an evening event, which as it's in the evening is going to be online. I understand that many students are on placement, so it might be difficult to get in. So that's online and it's purely a social get together. When I did one before in in December, it was quite funny because students tried to teach me how to sing a Christmas song in Yaruba. So we have a bit of fun on that. And it's for you to sort of get together. And maybe next semester, we might have something in person. But it's kind of up to the students on the scheme to decide what they'd like to do. So I keep it very, very open. It's very student center. It's basically just me facilitating insofar as this is the time and the space you can do it. But what you'd like to talk about, what you'd like to do, where would you like to have some workshops? So I can do communication workshops, I can do writing workshops, whatever it is that you feel that you need, I can do that for you. So it's very open. Great. And finally, how can students get in contact with you in order to join the scheme? That's a very good question. So Very, very easy as well. All you need to do is send me an email. My email address is a.from at hearts.ac.uk. So a.from at hearts.ac.uk. Great. So again, thank you very much, Anita, for coming along to the podcast and for taking out time to speak to our listeners. So I hope you have found this interview useful. Do get in touch with Anita to find out more about the Study Buddy Scheme. This is the end of this month's segment of Just a Moment with Sass. Again, thank you, Anita, for coming along. Thanks, Shipper. Thank you again. Now, As usual, do remember to make use of the SAS team. We are here to help you with your academic skills and assist you in getting the most out of your study. So do check out the Academic Skills Advice site. If you would like to contact us, please send us an email to hsk.skills at hearts.ac.uk. Thank you for listening and do take care of yourself. Bye for now. I wish to thank all our guests for this episode, starting off with our student guests. 
Dear Rachel, Mia, Nuna, and Elizabeth, thank you all for sharing with us some of your student-led placement experiences and those very useful tips. Indeed, you have really helped those students who have never heard of student-led placements. They've now got an idea of what this type of placements could be about. You are definitely third-year students. Your points and the way you express them does really show you are ready to join the professional world. Well done all of you and thank you for empowering other students. We are wishing you the best of luck in the remaining few months of your course. To all other students, please do get in touch if you have any message you wish to share on the HSK Student Podcast. By the way, if you are not aware, you also get a certificate when you come and contribute on the HSK Student Podcast. Anita, thank you for letting us know about the Student Body Scheme. Indeed, this is a very useful service. We are encouraging all our HSK students to really take advantage of this service. Please do get in touch with Anita if you have any question about Student Body Scheme. Thank you, Shipa, for keeping us updated on how the SAS team can be of help to HSK students and what the team has on offer for the students in the next few weeks. A big thank you to our special interviewers, Laura and Rachel, who had the opportunity to meet and interview some of our guests. Thank you for giving us those informative messages. We always appreciate the time taken by our HSK student pod interviewers. Don't forget, I wish to thank Laura in her role as the Assistant Associate Dean for Learning and Teaching and Student Experience. Thank you, Laura, for sharing with us the important news plus keeping us updated on what's going on in the school. Thanks to all our guests. It's always a pleasure to have you on the HSK Student Pod. I also need to thank all other anonymous staff members who made this episode to be a success. Thank you all for your support and your creative ideas. As we come to the end of this podcast, I just need to say it's been a pleasure to have you as part of our listeners. Dear HSK Student Pod listeners, look after yourselves and your loved ones. Thank you for joining us and for being part of this episode. Bye-bye from Richard, your host, and join us in the next HSK Student Pod, which will have something fresh and new to listen to. Listen to.